Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Joe Vitale with another Hypnotic Gold audio moment for you. And I'm very excited because we're going to be talking about an issue almost everybody, probably everybody, has run into at one time or another. And we're talking about self-expression. We're talking about speaking. We're talking about overcoming the fear of speaking, whether in public or one-on-one. We're talking about overcoming shyness. As we all know that at some point you're going to have to talk to somebody about your business. And if you read some of my books or listened to my audio programs, such as the done uh, long ago, The Power of Outrageous Marketing, I said one of the ten ways to become a titan or tycoon in business is to actually be able to express yourself, to be able to speak. Speaking in public, being able to talk to other people, hold their attention, communicate to them, persuade them, this is all essential to success. So on today's interview, we'll be talking to Guy Monroe who happens to be a fantastic vocal coach. I think he is a magician of the voice. He teaches people how to express themselves um, even better than you might ever have imagined. Guy Monroe is a keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, corporate trainer, speaking, singing, shyness coach, and explorer of human potential who develops innovative real-world tools designed to expand individual freedom of expression, thought, and reason. He believes that anything is possible if we are willing to question the limiting points of view that restrict us from experiencing our true human potential. Guy specializes in vocal technique, inquiry, and persuasion training. He is a trainer who assists people with public speaking, singing, stuttering, shyness, strangled voice, falsetto voice, nasality, monster voice, chronic hoarseness, froggy voice, and on and on we go, right up to stage fright and perfectionism. Guy is a dear friend of mine, and I've been doing some uh, training with him because I am secretly been wanting to become a singer, and he is helping me improve my voice, open my voice, and learn to express myself, not just on the stage with speaking, which I've been doing for decades, but to actually do it with a guitar in my hand, for example. I have found Guy to be a wizard of the mind. When we work together, we're talking about self-expression, but he's also working with beliefs, uh, what he calls points of view, which are limiting beliefs that hold us back. And he's always encouraging. He's funny. He's humorous. He's telling stories. He's demonstrating what he's talking about. I can go on and on. I just think this guy is phenomenal, and I have him on the phone for the hypnotic cold interview. Guy, are you actually there? I am actually here. <laughs> Good. We have paused for a dramatic emphasis there, and I thought, oh, he isn't there. <clears throat> Thank you for making the time to be here. Guy, how in the world did you ever get involved in uh, vocal expression and becoming the expression coach? Oh, wow. Well, first of all, it's my pleasure to be here, and how I got involved in this is uh, I've always loved to sing. I've always loved performance. I've always been fascinated with our desire and our ability to connect with others in a very potent and powerful way. And uh, since I started working with other people, because I became very interested in it, I wanted to explore it. I wanted to research it. I wanted to design innovative ways in which people could step outside of the box of their own creation and connect with others in a potent way far beyond what they thought. Do you have a theatrical background? In other words, have you been a singer? Have you been on stage? Have you been TV, radio, speaking on circuit? What what is your background when it comes to expressing yourself? Uh, I I do have a background. My background is primarily on stage and the number of celebrities. And I've got a background uh, in musical theater. That's where I came from, The, the big voice sending the sound to the back of the room, yeah. uh, everything big, 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 you know. And uh, <clears throat> I guess one of the apexes of that particular career was being able to perform in Sweeney Todd at the Lincoln Center, uh, oh, which wow. was um, really, quite an really great. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was quite a credential. So you have a, a background on stage, working with celebrities, being in the musical theater, being in this famous play at Lincoln Center. And how long have you been working with individuals? Like I've come over to you for singing lessons, but people have come to you for shyness, stage fright, stuttering, 
uh, all kinds of things. How long have you been doing that? Yeah, I've been doing that for about 10 years. Mm. And, you know, it's an interesting story how I got into that. Uh, how do you become a shyness coach, you know? Yeah. And uh, well, what how do you was, become a shyness coach? Well, that is an excellent question. Um, <laughs> I, had these, I had these wonderful students who came to me for singing. And <clears throat> what I realized was a lot of them couldn't sing loud. They, they would try to expand their voice and, and project for distance, and they had massive difficulties with that. And I realized that a big piece of my training had to be expanded because the fundamentals in our social programming for a lot of people are not dealt with. And I didn't realize what a demand there was for this. And so I had to start really scratching my head and developing some tools for people to grasp so that they could uh, overcome this, so they could live their dream. I mean, we're not, we're not talking vocal technique here. We're just talking the ability to set foot on the stage, you know. So uh-huh. uh, uh, for me, that was never a difficulty, but, I, but there, was definite, there was a definite need out there. So solutions had to be found. Well, talk about some of that, because I'm sure some people that are listening to this are feeling like, yeah, I'm one of those shy people. I can't talk to anybody at a party. Or there's somebody thinking, I can't go to the Rotary Club or the PTA meeting and talk to people there about my business. I can't stand up in front of five people, let alone 17,000 people. Well, how do, you, how do you comfort them? How do you begin to tease them into changing? Where do you start? Where's, where's the beginning of this? Okay, so the first thing that a, an individual needs to know is that, you know, we're also caring and we're big-hearted and Big-hearted people are concerned about others feeling comfortable. And when you have a big heart, you want others to feel at ease. And so these big-hearted people, um, as we grew up, uh, we wanted to fit in and blend in and connect with others. And what we did was we began to actually diminish our permission to spread our wings and share with the world or expose with the world who we truly are. It's kind of like politeness gone really wrong. Mm-hmm. Politeness so, to the extreme, huh? Yes, it's gone, we've, it's gone so far into the extreme that we've watered ourselves down, Joe. We've watered ourselves down and we water ourselves down until we're so diminished that we even d- doubt our own impulses, our own desires, our mm. own, um, we, we can actually forget uh, what we wanted when we walked into the room. Mm, because we care too much about the other people in the room? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can understand that. And it's culturally that. reinforced. What's well, that? Okay, so that's been reinforced since we were very young, and most of us are too big-hearted in that sense. How do we overcome that? How do you walk into the room and you suddenly, you know, you don't, not that you don't care. Well, maybe you don't care. What is your answer to that? How do you overcome that big-hearted feeling that makes us too polite so we can't express ourselves because we're too concerned about what other people think? That's an excellent point that you just made, Joe, about uh, not caring. You know, of course we care, and yet we do need not to care at a certain level. So... Um, here's how it all started. I believe how it all started. Um, somewhere around the first grade and, uh, stop me if I ramble too long here, but, uh, somewhere around the first grade, we got in, we got connected with certain types of technology, how to solve problems. One of the great problems for many people is their inability to even dream that they can have a positive experience in the public eye in front of other people because of the following factor. Um, We learned around first grade how to focus on what isn't working in order to master a moment. Now, we were promised that we could do that if we learned how to focus on what wasn't working. 
this technology works great for um, problem solving as long as we are objective, meaning we're not personally directly involved. You want to you wanna build a bridge. You focus on everything that can go wrong with the bridge and the water and there's clay on this side and there's sand on this side. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually see what could possibly go wrong. And in order to avoid what's going wrong, you focus on what is going wrong. So these kids, you'll watch these kids go from being incredibly outgoing one moment to the next moment they're learning how, they've actually learned how to not become outgoing. By what? By focusing their attention on what they don't desire, on focusing their attention on what they hope doesn't happen by focusing on what they don't like. Um, Perfect example would be, uh, you've got a kid, they're, they want to be wise, uh, they're somewhere around the first grade, they've just been cast in a school play, they used to have no problem uh, singing and dancing in front of others, they didn't experience a, a quality of anxiety, performance anxiety, ever before, but they learned this technique called focusing on what is wrong to get it right, and that particular habit gets them to place their awareness on everything that they don't desire. And so their awareness becomes filled with one horrific moment to another horrific moment to another horrific moment. Mm. Pretty soon their knees are knocking and they're running off the stage. I think everybody can relate to that. I know in the field of positive psychology, they say focus on what is working, focus on what you do want. Is that what you're teaching people is to not focus on what's not working but to focus on what is working and to focus more on what they want to achieve, not on what they are fearing will happen? Yes, that is what I'm teaching them to focus on. We have to learn how to focus on what is working and what propels us, what inspires us, and what moves us forward in the moment. In the moment. Okay, so I'm imagining here that there's somebody going, yeah, when I go to speak, nothing's working. They stand up and they, they're shaking. They were shaking before they stood up. They get up and now they can barely speak and maybe they stutter. And, of course, if they pay attention to that, they're on this downward spiral and it's just misery for them. So if somebody's listening going, nothing's working when I speak, what's your response to them? Okay. My first response would be, I would ask them a question. The question would be, What don't you like in the moment? So let's play a little role-playing game. And you become that person, Joe. And I'm going to ask you, let's say you're saying that things are going terribly. And I'll say to you, describe what what your experience is like when you get up to the microphone. And I'll make up a few things. It could be... um... I'm sweaty, I'm hot, I, I don't think they're going to like me. Um, I, what am I doing here? I just want to run out of the room, and I don't even know why, but I'm just not convinced it's going to be good. Get up on stage, and I look out, and they look like some people are bored, some people are looking at the ceiling, a bunch of people are staring at me, and uh, they're waiting for me to say something. And I do have my first line all memorized, and then I go and flub it, and I think to myself, okay, it's going to be downhill from there. So those are just some things that come to mind. Sure. So I would say to you, awesome, I would say to you, the first thing to become aware of is, number one, even though you are having a dreadful experience, you're actually striving for mastery. You know, there are many people in our culture that would say, oh, man, you've got these problems. You need to go see a therapist. You're... You're a broken toy. There's, you know, you've got a few bolts loose. This is terrible, you know. And I would say absolutely not. I would say everything is that you are experiencing is showing up perfectly based upon the technology that you are using in your attempts to master this moment. Example. If you are freaked out, if you are terrified, the reason you are freaked out and terrified is because you are focusing on those things which terrify you. A perfect example of swinging it to the other side would be uh, a person's ability, their ability to have a wonderful experience. Mm. 
you think of a famous actor, for example, a film actor. You know, how do they get in front of the camera? How do they create these beautiful moments for themselves? It's by, it's the ability that they've developed to focus on that which nurtures them, that which propels them forward, that which inspires them in the moment. Now, I would say to you this, what are the tools? What do you have to work with? All you have to work with, you're walking up to that podium. All you have to work with when you're walking up on that stage is the moment. The moment is the tool that you must learn to master. Hmm. And you master it where you place your attention. If you place your attention based upon our awareness and how it works, on what isn't working, you will go from what isn't working to what isn't working to what isn't working to what isn't working, continuously raising your anxiety level until you want to run off the stage. Mm -hmm. So... What I want you to do is when you go onto that stage, when you go in front of the podium, you have to start doing some exercises. You've got to start getting yourself in the habit, the habit of being aware there are two, two fundamental tools. One is focusing on what is wrong, which will generate flight, survival, and fear. The other tool is focusing on what is working, which will generate trust, empowerment, Propel, propel, propelling you forward into the moment in, in such a fashion that you have a positive experience. Now, I'm going to get a little weird here. Go ahead. For, go for it. I like that. Okay. So here's the weird part. The lowest level of connecting technology, that means your ability to connect with others, would be faking it would be experiencing massive anxiety and trying to hide all that, pretend that you're not, hoping they don't see it, and put it on a good face and a good show. Mm. That's the lowest. The highest form of this technology is, without getting too out there, for those of you who don't want me to get too far out there, would be basically operating from an inspired connection. Some people refer to it as channeling. Some people refer to it as operating faster than the thought process. This can occur by you're tapping into a quality of awareness where your lifetime of resources, you move into such a relaxed state that your lifetime of resources or whatever you require in the moment will show up for you to pick and pull from at your leisure from moving you from moment to moment to moment. Now, the first key is this. When you're served up a moment, you're standing at the podium, you have got to run with whatever shows up. That means uh, be aware of what your objective is. And I'm going to ask you about that in just a moment because I want people to really chew on this. Ask yourself about what your actual objective is when you're why are you walking up that podium? Mm. What do you actually desire to occur? Yeah, what's your intention? Okay. What's your reason for being there? Why are you going to, about to speak? What's the objective? Yes. Yes. There are lesser objectives and there are higher objectives. Mm. The higher objectives when you start to lose your mind, if you can keep your attention on your higher objective, uh, you'll connect probably with the audience better than you ever dreamed that you could have in the past. Mm. And is the higher um, objective this inspired um, calling? Is it your mission? What, what's an example of a higher objective? Well, an, a, the higher objective would be, what do I desire? Here's an example. I'm on this phone conversation with you, Joe, mm -hmm. and what is my objective? Mm. Uh, well, lesser objectives could be, I'm going to try and wow you, and I'm going to impress the audience, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But the highest objective would be, I desire to connect with Joe. Mm. And my desire to connect with Joe brings me into an awareness of a higher objective, and it's the, real, the shocking realization that the only way that I can truly connect with Joe in the moment, is with my ability to connect with myself. Mm. So, this is fascinating. Sharing, yeah. Yeah, this is fascinating. So 
one of the things you said is about when you're standing there at the podium, you want to use what's there. So in other words, in that moment, if I'm understanding you correctly, there's a feeling, there's an experience, something's going on. You don't want to deny that. You don't want to uh, push it away. You want to actually use that. Is that yes. correct? Bingo. Okay. Yes. Give we me an example. To, if somebody's walking to. up and they suddenly feel like they're going to faint, how do they use that? Use it by uh, asking yourself, what do you ultimately want to do in this, with this opportunity? I would guess that what you ultimately want to do is to connect with the moment, connect with the audience, connect with yourself. So if the objective is to connect with your audience, one of the greatest ways that you could do that is actually expose to your audience what actually is going on in the moment. Mm. It's the willingness to risk transparency. I can imagine a lot of people I, want to defend their egos or protect their, their vulnerabilities. So it may be difficult. Maybe you can speak to that for a second. Because if they feel like they're going to faint and they're standing up there going, wow, I feel like I'm going to faint, to a lot of people, it might be perceived as weakness. How do you how do you address that? Because does the audience see it as weakness, or just the speaker that's feeling faint? <clears throat> I think I think primarily it's the ego of the speaker mm-hmm. that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. I think that we, you see when we connect with people, we are where we are. In the moment, there's no way of hiding that. Everyone knows what's going on, if we're going to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Now, what do people detect in the audience? Fear, Mm. anxiety, uh, pleasure, all of the above. We're empathic. We operate by feeling. That's how we perceive what's going on. Words are one thing. But where we're coming from is another, and that's how, that's how we fine-tuned ourselves. It, that's how we can tell whether we're being smoked or being told the truth, if this mm-hmm. person is lying, if they're withholding. So I'm so, hearing that if they want to connect with the audience, that being honest with them, being authentic with them in the moment is a very powerful, direct way to do that. Joe, not only is it powerful and direct, it will put you, if you want to be a public speaker, it will put you on a caliber bar none. It will take you right to the top of, put you in, in peer with the greatest speakers in the world. Mm. Why? Because in the moment, all we have to work with is in the moment. And where we get into trouble is when we actually deny that. If a person goes up, and they have to share something, then they turn on their internal critic that judges every little thing that they do, Mm. picks them apart, takes them apart, generating more fear. And this is all at an attempt to master the moment. Again, when I'm working with people, don't make them wrong about that because what's their objective? It's to master this moment. You know, and I really, I want to tell you this. I wish I could say to your listeners, you know, um, Uh, hide everything from your audience. Uh, Great public speaking is the ability to uh, actually uh, withhold. Great public speaking is the ability to experience massive anxiety, and yet everyone else is laughing and having such a great time. And the truth is that just it's simpler than you think. We have to stop hiding and learn how to work with with what shows up. Joe, here's a perfect example. You personally... With all of your public speaking experience, there must have been a time when you experienced massive anxiety and you discovered how to move through that and actually turn these negative experiences into fun because you had to because this is a career. This is you know, what you're <laughs> going to be doing. How did you do that? Yeah, well, there's two things that come to mind here. The first thing I want to say is the authenticity in the moment is incredibly powerful. When I was in Bermuda about seven months ago, I had been nominated to be in the Transformational Leadership Council. And these are a group of my peers. These are people that I love and admire, and they know of me. They welcome me into their fold. And at one point, I got to get on stage in front of all of them to give a minute and a half. That's all they gave me, a minute and a half to talk about who I am, what I'm doing, what I'm going to do next. 
And I started talking, and within the first few seconds, I had an overwhelming uh, anxiety attack. And I tried to breathe through it real quick, and I thought, the hell with that. And I just told everybody, I said, I am so honored to be in front of you that I'm having an anxiety attack right now. I said, please give me a moment. And in fact, if you don't mind, tell me something nice. And they all yelled out, we love you. (laughs) I then went on to finish my minute and a half. When I got back to one of my tables, people were still talking about my my presentation, a minute and a half, my presentation. And one woman said, he is riveting. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I was riveting. I actually was falling apart on stage in front of my peers. But because I owned up to what I was feeling, I was authentic in the moment, they welcomed it. And that's one of the things I've learned to do. The other is practice makes perfect. By constantly doing this, it gets easier and easier, in my opinion. I've told the story in the past, and I'll say it real quickly because this is your time, not mine. But when I first started speaking, I taught adult education classes in Houston 20-some years ago. And there would be six people in the room. And I would stand in front of them so nervous that I would lean against the wall because I thought I was going to pass out and slide to the floor. Now I'm at the place where I spoke in Peru to 17,000 people in an outdoor stadium live, and I don't remember being nervous about it at all. I remember being excited about it, but not nervous. So there was the guy who spoke 20-some years ago for leisure learning for the adult education class could not have immediately gone the next week to those 17,000 people, not, not me at that time. But over time, I was able to do it. You just brought up a beautiful point. You brought up a beautiful point. This is what I would love everyone to, to embrace more of. What you're actually modeling is what I would, which everyone would refer to as kindness. I think this is something that in our personal behavior, a habit that we really have to develop. Of course, we're, we've been trained to put everyone else first and put ourselves last. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the, uh, when you're on the airplane, the deal where they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then you can mm-hmm. put it on the child so you don't pass on. And kindness is really, you're exemplifying this kindness uh, being kind, being innocent uh, on stage. It opens up people's hearts. You see, what is the prototypical strategy that a human being has when they're faced with a public to deal with? It is to hide and to withhold. What is endearing is the individual who's willing to be the matador to get out there and expose, express, and connect. Always ask yourself, Am I excited or am I afraid? You see, the hands can still speak. They can feel like the same thing. But ask yourself this question. Is it a life-threatening situation or not? This is what I tell everyone. You know, your hands start. I remember my first kiss. My hands were shaking pretty good, and it was not a terrible thing, let me tell you. (laughs) So... That's right. So ask yourself, is this a life-threatening situation or not? People go, but it sure feels like it. It sure feels like a guy. I'm like, okay, listen, it feels like it, but where are you placing your attention? On everything that can go wrong. Exactly. And I say use that technology when you see a, a bear starts chasing you down a ravine. Use flight technology. Focus on everything that is going wrong and get out of there. But if it's not a life-threatening situation, you have to learn how to focus on what you're enjoying, what you like, what's working in the moment. Um, you know, your hands are shaking and you're walking up to the podium. Why? I'm, I'm excited, guy. I want to connect with these people. Absolutely, that's what you want to do. And how you're going to do that is <clears throat> they're sitting out there in the audience. It's very difficult to connect with them, but it is very easy, potentially, to connect with yourself. Your primary resource should be developing an ability to connect with yourself. And how do you do that? By focusing on your needs, wants, and desires. Mm. So by focusing on their needs, wants, and desires, they will do better in expressing themselves because they'll be more authentic. Absolutely. Well, this raises the question. This raises the question, Guy. Are you in favor of people preparing their speeches or not preparing? So in oh. other words, when somebody's walking up to the podium, 
and I know we're, we're kind of talking in generalities here because there's various reasons to go to podiums and there's various uh, places that people would be. But is there a answer on your half? In other words, do they script out their talk and read it word for word? Or do they have notes and just kind of glance at them so they can be more free form and ad lib? Or do they walk up and just kind of let inspiration drive the bus? (laughs) What is your take on that? (laughs) Okay. So we want to succeed in this moment, okay? So we actually, there is an audience and... Uh, we have objectives, okay? My recommendation is to definitely not swing too far one direction and not swing too far the other. Uh, you're not going to experience, <clears throat> unless you're a master and you have a tremendous amount of experience and you're completely familiar with what you're going to present, to just wing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can generate tremendous amount of anxiety. So I don't recommend that. On the other side of the spectrum, there are people that have got their PowerPoint presentations and their slides, and they're going to read from a script, and they've got every single moment locked down. The difficulty with that is where's the connection element? You're just delivering information. Well, uh, email them PDFs because if you're not willing to take the the stage, you're missing out on a great opportunity. Hmm. A great opportunity. So am I hearing a blend? Am I hearing, you know, you you want to be familiar with your presentation or the topic, and you don't necessarily need to have a blow-by-blow account of every moment with a PowerPoint, but some happy medium, which could be notes, which could be index cards. I mean, what what is your... Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So for the beginner, if you're doing a presentation, go ahead and lock it all down for the beginner. Have that with you. But here's, here's the opportunity. So you've got your PowerPoint presentations, and you've got whatever you want to do, whatever you think is potent. I want you to bring everybody, everything, and the camel with you to that presentation, all right? But when you get up to that podium... Since you've got everything laid out, you've got, you could read off of paragraphs. You've got everything there in front of you. Now's the time when you can have some fun. Put big bullet points next to the primary elements. Let's say you've got 30 minutes, you've got an hour, three hours, whatever it happens to be. Put big bullets next to your primary points and take the risk. I will want you to give yourself every opportunity to not use that slide, to Mm. not read that text, to paraphrase and connect with your fascination with what you're sharing. Mm. Like when you were a little kid. The audience will love it. You will love it. You know, break it into categories. It's like, okay, so let's say we've got so much time, and I'm going to give myself, I'll give myself 15 minutes to ramble on this, give myself 10 minutes on this, five minutes on that. You can have someone in the back of the room um, giving you your cues to say, you know, okay, raising their hand, letting you know, hey, you need to move on to the next subject. And that's one strategy that can really be helpful. But anything that you can do to move you off of the, the limitation of a canned presentation, because that will move you into the realm of the master speakers. And eventually, then you won't need your, your slideshows. You are the slideshow. And you'll evolve into bullet points. This is great. I'm going to yak for 30 minutes or an hour, and here I have five bullet points. Fabulous. And you know what? Instead of me just doing a lecture format where I'm just rambling off, what about what if I were to ask some questions and stick in a Q&A sub uh, content in there? Man, that would be great. Let's make it about the audience. You see, what I've discovered is people are actually more interested in themselves than they are in you. So if you can make this about them and move into the audience and do a Q&A, They'll, I'll tell you, they will adore you for that. Mm. 
Which they're sharing what, their stuff, you know? Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do. I'll be speaking in Dallas pretty soon, and I'm just going to do a Q&A for them because that way I'm giving the audience what they want. And it takes the pressure off of me to do anything like prepare. I'm, the pre- preparation is just my being. I'm already prepared. I already am Joe Vitale. I'm just going to walk in. But what I'm hearing here are some parallels to actual marketing. For example, too many marketers who fail are focused on themselves. Well, what I hear here is that speakers who go in and focus on themselves are not going to feel so great. But if they go in and focus on the audience, they're going to feel better. I also hear that in good marketing, I say that you should be sharing what you love about your product or service. You shouldn't be trying to sell. You shouldn't be trying to manipulate. You shouldn't be trying to persuade. You should be trying to share. And what you're sharing is your love, your passion, your excitement, your exuberance for your product or service. I hear the parallel in speaking where you're telling people you have a reason, you had an objective to go up on stage. What is it that you're there for? What are you excited about? And if you were five years old talking about the toy you just got, you'd probably do it with a great deal of unleashed energy. And I'm hearing that there's a parallel there, that that's the kind of feeling you really want to come from love, love for yourself and love for the audience. Am I off on that or am I reading this right? You are completely on target. The objective, Joe, when any, when, uh, for all of your listeners, when you go on that, get in that podium, when you go into the, uh, before the, the group, your group, um, it's a presentation of some kind. Your objective should be to get turned on about what you're sharing. Let it, you know, let it just wash over you. <laughs> let it just wash over you. Just authentically get excited about it. But here's the thing. Hmm. There are levels with that, too. If you can expose the evolution of your excitement and share it with your audience, you know, don't do what that that new commander at Microsoft did where he went howling and screaming on the stage. It's completely out of context because there's no relationship established. He didn't work the crowd up into a frenzy by sharing. You see, it wasn't a great, wasn't a, a shared moment. So um, there's so many things to talk to you about when it comes to this, and I also know some other concepts that you've created on your own, everything from the zone of truth that you've been talking to me about in our in our consulting sessions that I have with you. Um, and, and we're going to run out of time, so I, there's a few things I want to ask you, and I want to make sure that we give out your website. And I also understand that you often give consultations to people so they can sample your work. Is that something people can do over the phone, or do they have to do that in person? They can certainly do that with me over the phone. I love free phone consultations <laughs> and where we can explore you know, what's, what's up and how to take it to the next level. So, yes, absolutely. I invite, wholeheartedly invite everyone to, to contact me, and I would love to assist you in, in moving towards your personal best with your ability to connect with others in a magnificent way. Um, and your website is guymonroe.com, which is www.guymonroe.com, guymonroe.com. And your phone yes. number and email and all of that stuff is on the website, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I guess before we go, I want to give uh, some other tools. So we, we talked about um, uh, some spiritual aspects, some, yeah, some more emotional that. aspects, yeah. you know. So I want to give some technical, mechanical awareness Mm. as well, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. So real fast, here's a couple of things I want to throw at you. There's just so many things, Joe, you know? Yes, I understand. Okay. So be aware of what you do with your body. Listen, we've watered ourselves down in order to be polite what I need you to be aware, listener, is that you need to start taking the shackles off of watering yourself down. We want you big and bold and brilliant and shiny. We, you need to learn how to turn up the, the, the glowing knob on radiance as a being when you get in front of other people. So here's something that's going to help you do that. What I want you to be aware of, we've given, we've, 
when we were little kids, one of the things we did was learn the poker face. The poker face. Remember that? Where we hide our emotions. We, right. we hide them. You know, it's like we numb everything out. And there was a point where we learned how to hide from people what we are feeling. Well, guess what? We've got to undo all of that. So what I'm going to give you is a little exercise, okay? Here's an exercise to free up the fear space. I want you to place your uh, attention on your eyebrows right now. There are two fundamental things that you can do with your eyebrows. You can, when you're speaking, you can raise them up very high, or you can bring them down in a concerned, furrowed kind of a format and everything in between. I will tell you this. If you raise your eyebrows while you're speaking, you're going to light up the part of the brain that is going to generate tremendous amounts of fear and anxiety. I call this the Betty Crocker uh, eyebrows, where they're <laughs> up nice and high and you're pleasant. But what that does is that when your eyebrows are high, you're lighting up the part of the brain that is about receiving. You see, the eyebrows go up to allow more light into the eyes so you can see more. And you're focused on what you're hearing, right? <clears throat> so could you imagine getting in front of the podium and raising your eyebrows while you're trying to focus on your needs, wants, and desires? It's going to in, put a tremendous amount of doubt in your presentation. So what I want you to do is this. Put a little bit of aggressiveness, assertiveness in those eyebrows, like, Danny, get out of the street when you're speaking. Give yourself permission to do that. Most people think, I can't do that. I'll, be, I'll look mean. I'll be unfriendly. It's like, no, you'll look assertive. How many singers do you watch go for high notes and look at their faces? That's the face that people make when they're yelling at somebody, when they're really pissed off, mm. you see? But those, that technical mechanical of the face actually assists the technical mechanicals of their sound, right? Mm. So I want you to get in the habit of keeping those, letting those eyebrows come down. You want to free up the face, not observing it, okay? And the next thing is, in your eyes, I want you to increase the fire in your eyes. Let there be more intensity in your eyes. Okay, you'll feel more. The next thing is, let your jaw slide forward and your lips slide forward. Use your upper lip when you speak. Most people don't use their upper lip. They get a tight jaw and a tight upper lip, which generates anxiety in the, in the body. Okay? So I want you to get in the habit of playing with your face and activating it and moving it around. You could do this in a mirror, but I want you to feel that your face is moving around and it should feel natural that it's moving around because often when people speak, they train their face to lock down. It does, they just go into deer in the headlights mode. God, this is yeah. really good stuff. And I want to say, too, from my personal experience with you guys, that I feel like I'm expressing myself better or more openly, more dramatically, more freely everywhere in personal conversation, on stage, I'm already fairly animated, but because of what I'm doing with your singing, you even have me at times pretending I'm Clint Eastwood and that I'm putting fire in my eyes and loosening my jaw and, and narrowing my eyes. I'm looking at somebody and really <laughs> shooting out a different energy, which is teaching me how to control that energy as well as how to express that energy. So I'm just kind of confirming that this stuff works. I know it firsthand, and I love that these three steps that you just gave is something people can use right now. Absolutely. This is called fierceness, and um, most of us have trained it out of ourselves. We align it with violence. Listen, assertiveness is not violence. Assertiveness, there's, there are qualities of aggressiveness which are completely socially acceptable that most people, most people have difficulty tapping into. And this must be overcome so that we don't experience timidity when we're connecting with others at cocktail parties, when we're sharing our, our needs, wants, and desires with our, our loved ones, or our, we're sharing content with a group of people, you know. This is a quality of aggressiveness, like a muscle we have to flex. So, you know, um, mm -hmm. this the, is the all powerful. Space, I, yeah. I love the concept of fierceness. It's one of the first things. And I actually went to you and I had my complimentary consultation with you just to experience the uh, tweaking my voice and experimenting with singing. And you talked about the concept of fierceness. 
and just pretending to take that on was something that opened me up quite a bit because instead of just kind of laying back or being a little timid or reserving myself a little bit, when I started to play with hypnotic fierceness about just letting it shine or letting myself shine, that was empowering. That was freeing. That was fun on many levels. <clears throat> yes, it's, absolutely it is. It, it, what happens is we start getting excited. We start our yeah. faith starts to rouge up. The blood starts pumping. Uh, and for many of us, we associate that with, oh, it's not a good thing. It's a negative thing. And it's like, mm. no, it, it is a good thing, you know. Um, in our culture, we do a lot of repressed activities. And what I want you people to know is that you have to get out of the habit of repressing your expression, repressing your needs, wants, and desires. I believe that the, it's actually the repression of expressing ourselves and asking for what we want that actually generates the violence in the world. Mm. It's not the other way around. Wow, and that's so, a big statement right there. Well, let me ask you a couple questions here before we run out of time, because I can talk to you forever about all of this. But I want to encourage, of course, we'll encourage everybody to go to GuyMonroe.com and talk to you direct and get your uh, free complimentary consultation. Address the subject of perfectionism, because I know along my way of going from the guy who couldn't speak or barely spoke in front of six people to the guy who's in movies, I had to deal with perfectionism, and I realized that I wanted to be perfect on stage, and I had to come to the realization that there was no such thing as perfection. I mean, nobody could agree on what that was. But in my head, because I wanted to be perfect, man, that I have a tough time speaking because I made it miserable. What is your yeah. take on that? Is that a common experience? And what do we do about it? What's a tip or two? Perfectionism is rampant in our culture. And what we have to do is to deal with that is, first of all, you're going in the wrong direction if mm. you want to be perfect. Ask yourself, is this a life-threatening situation? Why do you need to be perfect? Um, do you know anyone that you truly care about that's perfect? Okay? So ask yourself what you desire others to perceive in the moment when you're connecting with them. Do you want them to perceive that you're perfect or do you want them to perceive something else? What you ultimately want is connection. So here's the first rule is you must give yourself permission to fail based mm. upon what? Being kind to yourself. If you had a five-year-old son or a five-year-old daughter or there was a, a child, would you treat them with that level of cruelty? Of course you wouldn't. You would give them permission to fall down. Why? Because they're going to, get them, they're going to pick themselves up. They're going to get up. So what we need to do is we need to get to error. Permission to error. Permission to get it wrong. Why? Because if you can give yourself permission to get it wrong, you're going to give yourself permission to focus on what propels you and what nourishes you in the moment. That's excellent. That's excellent. Are there resources that you can give people? Are there any books that you think are fantastic or audio programs? And, of course, I want them to go to you, GuyBunroe.com. But just offhand, is there something that you really thought was, oh, this is life-changing or remarkable or a great resource or uh, something that you would recommend? Well, I would definitely recommend um, definitely recommend anything that Joe is offering. His work, your work, is fabulous. <laughs> well, and, thank you. Uh, you're very welcome uh, in the area of of raising, uh, moving us away from limiting beliefs and the, the power of where we place our attention. Um, I would say that. As far as books go, nothing's coming to my mind at uh -huh. this moment. But what I would say is um, get innocent. Um, let's get a little less sophisticated, people. Listen, a child knows how to have a good time. Okay? Uh, it is very odd that we're grown up and we're looking for books on how to have a good time. <laughs> but we've kind of, you know, kind of overworked ourselves into a bit of a uh, a corner here. We're trying to <clears throat> get complicated on something that should be rather 
that you knew in your innocence. So I would say um, be kind to yourself, learn to focus, develop, practice the ability to focus on what nourishes you in the moment as opposed to what you don't want. Um, what's working now? What propels me now? What inspires me now? It's, I think, the innocence that we're looking for in our lives, uh, the fun, the play. Um, focus on what you desire and, and keep it simple. Don't get complicated. You know, don't make well, it complicated. That, that's wonderful, but it leads to the question, what inspires you? Why are you doing this? Yeah. What inspire, why are you even doing this call? What inspires you right now? I'm, I, I'm, I'm madly in love with personal expression. I'm madly in love with connecting, the ability to connect my, with myself, the ability to connect with strangers who will become my friends, uh, with um, I, I have grown up and see and have seen and see in the world a lot of separation and a lot of isolation, and this is my way of sharing with others ways that we can connect with others and connecting uh, with ourselves. This is this uh, is just a crown jewel. <laughs> that's it. I love it, Guy. Madly in love with personal expression. My goodness. And you are following your calling, and you are doing wonderful. Well, I can't say enough good things about you and your work. I encourage everybody to go to GuyMonroe.com, www.guymonroe.com. Claim that complimentary consultation. Work with this fellow. Learn how to express yourself better. Get comfortable with it. It's a marketing technique. It's a life technique. It's something that helps you in all areas. And, Guy, I can't thank you enough for doing this for me and for the Hypnotic Gold members. You are a magician of the mind. You are a wizard of expression. And I am proud and grateful to call you my friend as well as my teacher. Wow, oh, I'm honored. Coming from you, Joe, that's, that is magnificent. And, and I also love learning from you. Thank you for having me on your wonderful show. Oh, you're welcome. That's it for this one, Hypnotic Gold members. We will talk in the future. Dr. Joe Vitale, over and out. <laughs>